Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's Roscoe here, your co-host, introducing a very special episode, which we've broken into a two-part series. Yes, we're joined by the one and only Lucas Herbert, winner of this year's Omega Desert Dubai Classic, and obviously very good friend of the podcast and client of Jamie Glazier. Now, this podcast was a great opportunity to catch up with Lucas in between his stop at home and before he jets out to Dubai for his season-ending commitments with the uh, European Tour. And we cover off a whole load of stuff. There's a great deal of information on here and more so a great deal of rich insights that Lucas gives us about his year on tour in a COVID year. We all know what that means to us, but yeah, this is a great podcast that gives us a real deep and rich insight into the world of a travelling athlete. And Lucas gives us as much information as we could get out of him. And that's why we talk for so long. So we've broken into two episodes and we hope that you join us on both of the series because from end to end, Lucas is giving us a lot of fun a lot of information and a lot of depth in his conversation. It's a really powerful discussion and a very open one. As you can imagine, between coach and client, it's very clear that Jamie and Lucas have a wonderful relationship and they're part of a great team, which is headed up by Lucas. And uh, I was very privileged to be able to sit on the other end of... Would be remiss of me not to remind you of Jamie's new Insight Golf Academy. You've heard us talk about that. But if you want to get some mental performance golf coaching to really help your summer of golf down here in Australia be as best as you possibly can... If you're getting challenged on the course, getting frustrated on the course, well, jump over to Insight Golf Academy. The links are in the show notes. Now, Jamie gives some of his great and best information, which we, which you can get from the power of your phone, from the power of your computer, and apply that straight to your game and play better golf tomorrow. Now, this is content and information that Jamie uses with his best clients. Of course it is. Lucas, Ryan, Gabby, and a whole host of other pros that he coaches all around the world. Jump over to Insight Golf Academy. For the price of less than a golf lesson, you can start to get mental performance coaching from the power of your computer or the power of your phone to help you play better golf tomorrow. It is great stuff and it really will help you play better golf. So there's links in the show notes and there is a special link to get a special discount because we love everyone who listens to the podcast. We thank you for that. Enjoy this episode with Lucas Herbert, two-parter, so join us for both of those. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. The Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. My name is Roscoe, your co-host, sitting Virtually opposite and alongside Jamie Glazier up there in Queensland, and we're joined by a special guest tonight, recently returned home from overseas. Yes, it's the one and only Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast for, what, this your third time? Oh, it's an honour, boys. Thanks for having me on. Right, it's, do, you reckon, uh, do you reckon it's the third time, Roscoe? I'm pretty sure we would have only had him on once so far. No, I reckon, well, we had him on after Dubai. and uh, uh, I was a memorable guest for all those times, Jamie, if you uh, can't remember... How many times I've been on? And then I think it's more so. It's not how many times you've been on. It's how many times I want to forget what you've said about me. That's probably more important. Oh, and then we had the very popular episode with uh, Lucas and Dom, and then yourself. So we had that episode as well. And tonight we've got the episode here um, with uh, Lucas, who joins us after an eventful year that can only be described as eventful in many many aspects of uh, the world of professional golf, the world of Lucas Herbert, you know, European tour star, professional golfer, and. Uh, you know, all things that went with that. So, you know, firstly, Lucas, welcome back. You've, you're have back home in Bendigo, I believe, so, um, but you've come out of 
quarantine and you've done all that stuff to get back into the country, you've come back to Victoria. Um, what do you notice about Australia coming back after being away for so long? <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for having me on again. It's glad we've kicked Dom off this podcast because I think uh, it'll be much more professional tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's funny coming back to like I think it's so different state to state. I mean, I flew into Perth and did my quarantining there, and um, it was just like it was almost like bizarre when I walked out of the hotel on that 14th day because like there's no masks in sight. There was just you know very basic social distancing rules because obviously Perth had done such a great job with the. Uh, the COVID um, avoidance, I guess you'd call it. And then um, flew back to Queensland and it felt like the same thing. You know, obviously airports are a bit of a hectic space at the moment. So flying through there was, and, and you know, dealing with them was um, was probably about the only time that you feel like the virus kind of exists um, going between Perth and, and WA. And then, you know, I've come back down here to Bendigo just for a week before I head away just to sort of catch up with everyone. Like, I hadn't seen my, my parents since March and, uh, a lot of my friends, sort of similar time length, so I wanted to come down and just sort of see everyone because I'm, I'm sort of not sure when I'm going to see them all next. So, um, yeah, come back down here and all of a sudden we're hit with the, the mask policy again and it's, it's almost like we're back in America again. Yeah. Um, you know, feeling like it's uh, a common sort of feeling to get out your car, walk about 10 steps and go, ah, mask, yeah. damn it, go to your car, try and find something. Um, but, yeah, we did get obviously masks, got relaxed on the weekend, I think. So now we're just wearing them inside. Um, obviously, don't have to wear them out in the golf course now, which makes things a lot easier too. So, um, yeah, it's – I mean, when you talk about the differences, like Australia seems like we're um, – it, it's, it's a funny one. It's sort of sitting overseas, you're watching Victoria go to a stage four lockdown with 800 cases and you're sitting in the country that's getting 30,000 cases a day and they don't seem to care one bit. So – I was, for a long time, I was like, I don't know the strategy is going to work. I'm not sure what they expect to get out of it. Um, but if this vaccine sort of comes through next year and we can keep relatively COVID-free until then, I, I think we've kind of done a pretty smart job with, with our strategy of, um, you know, essentially having very few cases throughout the country and probably almost being able to get back to normal, really, where, you know, we've had 30,000 AFL grand final Um and I'm not even sure what the numbers are, but we've definitely had spectators at uh, the State of Origin games. Um, I think there's like concerts are going ahead again. Um, I mean, nightclubs are opening back in, in Queensland. I know that. So um, I think, you know, we're probably the, the freest of all the countries in the world right now. There doesn't seem to be any restrictions. So um, it's definitely a pleasure to be home for that reason. Mate, I'm sure it is, and it's good to have you back. And I see you, you know, playing a bit of golf down at St Andrews Beach, and you know, keeping yourself in uh, fine golfing trim, no doubt. You mentioned there, and we'll come back and talk about uh, the rest of the year. But you mentioned you're getting ready to go away. What's what's next on the schedule for you? For those that don't know, yeah. So, uh, so I'm not sure when this pod will go out. Saturday this week, I'll um, be off to Dubai. Uh, I've got two events in Dubai to finish the season off. So. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember what the first event's called, to be honest. I'm bad advocate for the European Tour here. But um, first event, so I think just a small one, a $1.2 million event. And then the second one's the Tour Championship, $8 million event. So um, I played the golf course before and sort of know what I'm, I'm, I'm in for and know what I've got coming for me. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, tackling that challenge again. I, I know last time I tried to play that event, it was the end of a very, very long season for me and um, fatigue probably got in the way of me a bit more than I would have liked that week. So 
um, yeah, I'm looking forward to tackling it this year. Um, you know, a little bit fresher and, and probably uh, hopefully my game in a little bit of a better spot and, uh, and more ready to go. So, yeah, I can go and capitalise on those two events. So I can, uh, I'll come back after that and, and might, be, might be able to have a couple of nice weeks off um, sort of lately, late over Christmas. Uh, I think I'll still be in a hotel room on Christmas Day, but just, um, yeah, through the early part of January there, spend some time at home before I potentially might go away for a while. Yep, absolutely. Now, mate, um, you know, you've been back in Queensland at home up in the Sunshine Coast for a while and you've done some work with Dom. You know, when you come back, you know, after quarantine, not playing for a couple of weeks and, you know, after playing in the tour- in that stretch of tournaments that you played in, what, what do you do when you go back to work with Dom? You know, what, what happens? You know, what do you start looking for or what was the things that you're working on? Because we saw some posts from you, you know, you and Dom doing some short game work and whatever else. So um, what are the things that you, you know, had to work on when you got home? Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's obviously different every time, um, you come home and, you know, you have a, a break as to, um, what sort of things you go and work on. I think there's probably a combination of like <clears throat> things that you're probably going to do every single time, um, as whether you want to call them maintenance or just like, just starting to put more reps in your body again. Um, you know, just, just hitting a lot of shots and, and sharpening everything up. I think. Generally, when I cut, like my technique doesn't really change. If I if I spend three weeks away from club, my technique doesn't really change. It's just it's kind of rusty. You know, the the, the strike of the golf ball might not quite be there, and you know, you just your, your dispersion might just be a little wider than what you probably want. Um, but the biggest thing is the feel. You can't, you just don't feel like you know, you feel like you're swinging a tennis racket. It just doesn't feel the same as obviously when you're in that routine of playing nearly every day, like you do out on tour. So. Um, you know, you're sort of just trying to put a lot of reps in um, and probably for me, you know, short game wise, it's just, um, you know, there's just a couple of things that I just try and focus on pretty hard once I start, you know, practicing again. So I I try and hit a lot of shots with my eyes closed um, inside 30 yards around the short game area because I just feel like that helps me get all my feel and my touch back um, a lot quicker than what it does, you know, just trying to hit a bunch of shots from random spots and, and it also helps you kind of really get a good feel of what's going on through your body as to, um, you know, what's going on, where the club is and um, even just your, your speed, your rhythm of your shots can just slow down and just soften right up, which is what, you, what you're what kind of looking for with your short game. Um, so the combination of that and then as well as, you know, Dom's always researching and watching videos and, and thinking of new ideas essentially for me for how – I can get better. So, um, yeah, sort of had a bit of a project in mind when I came home. He wanted to, to do some work on my golf swing. Um, had, a, had Tommy Fleetwood as a bit of a model swing for me there. It's just that there was just kind of a move from the top that he really liked um, the way Tommy did it. And I think I, I kind of I like learning visually. So if I can see the way Tommy does it, and I would almost just stand there and pretend I'm Tommy Fleetwood for 10 or 12 shots, and that kind of helps. So, um yeah, he was, to be honest, he was actually frustrated because he's uh, he's, he's come home, he's gone, I'll, I'll come home. He said, look, I've got some stuff I want to do with you. It's probably it's a bit of concept stuff. It'll probably take a couple of weeks to kind of figure out how to do it and the best way to ingrain it and, you know, how to kind of um, to make this work. And then about two hours later, I was like, yeah, i got this done, we're sweet. So <laughs> he's uh, got home, two weeks of work and two hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's uh, bored for another there was one thing that you were doing, which is, you know, I guess quite current and topical and, you know, because there's been a bit of chatter about it and that was 
using a longer shaft in your driver. So what was the story uh, there? What did you experience? And, uh, you know, is that just a, a testing thing or is it something that might come into play? And, you know, did you notice a, a difference, you know, increase in speed? You know, what, what happened? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always one of those things where I think top of everyone's industry, they're always looking at how other guys are doing things and, um, I'm always watching other players in the field as to how I can potentially learn from what they're doing. So as much as you're trying to probably block out other players and, and ignore them, you're also at the same time um, keeping an eye on what they're doing and, um, you know, figuring out whether it's maybe worth looking at some of the things that they're looking at. Um, and obviously with Bryson doing what he's doing, it was uh, like I thought I was probably going to come out of lockdown looking a lot bigger. I trained pretty hard and then he just kind of blew me out of the water um, and made me look like a, uh, made me look like my pinky finger <laughs> with uh, how big he'd gotten. So, um, yeah, he's obviously, you know, he's, he's changing the game really. He's, he's making, there's pro, there was probably gains to be had there for probably 20 years with the equipment and he's, worked out a way to really maximise those gains um, to a way that no one else has really done that before. So, yeah, when he started talking about testing longer drivers, um, I think all of us had probably just played the length of driver we had because that's just what everyone got fitted to. Um, so I sort of, I was, I'm not really, I don't really know a lot about fitting golf clubs. So it definitely crossed my mind as to like, well, it's a conversation to have with Dom as to why, why don't we go two inches longer or three inches longer in the shaft um, and play around with it. I don't know whether you, whether you need to change head weight, whether you need to change shafts, um, the type of shaft you're playing because you're now going longer or whatever it is. Or just, you know, it was just a, I, I thought it was worth having the discussion. So I think first day back we were, um, we're driving around the cart somewhere on the course and he goes, oh, have you had any thoughts about maybe testing some longer drivers? And I'm like, well, yeah, I actually was going to talk to you about that. Like, what's your thoughts on testing them? So that kind of got the ball rolling pretty quick. And um, I had a mate uh, I grew up with who played, who did some long drive stuff and gave me a one of his old long drive drivers. Um, and I had that just sit in the shed, just literally something that you could maybe take out and mess around with, you know, on a on a corporate day or, you know, just something. If someone had a real fast swing speed, you go, I'll have a swing of this. Let's see, see if you can hit this thing. Um, and I thought like, Oh, I'll give that a whirl. So, you know, that came out and that just sort of started the, the process and the idea of maybe trying to, you know, figure out how to hit something that was a bit longer. And, and it's, it's a change in technique as well, because, um, you've got to kind of hit that driver a little bit differently. Um, the numbers you're looking for are a bit different. So yeah, it was, we tested for a couple of weeks and I've sort of got something now that I think I'll probably, I think I'll probably play it next week. That's, I think it's at about 47 inches. I don't know the length. I know it's long. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just optimizing the numbers a hell of a lot better for realistically. I, I strung it fairly quick and just wasn't getting much. I wasn't getting a lot out of the kind the driver that I was playing just because of how I was hitting it. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. So just, just to finish off on equipment because, you know, most of us golfers, whether we're, you know, looking for some, you know, mental performance strategies, you know, we're all golf junkies pretty much at heart. Yeah. What's what's in the bag? You know, we've I saw you, um, maybe Trotty did a, or you did a what's in the bag. Um, maybe Trotty did one as well, I think. Um, so what's in the bag right now? Um, yeah, well, 
whatever Trotty did, it'll be the exact same as that, just the driver's a bit different. Yeah. Um, so I've kept the same shaft. I think we've just gone to like, um, it must be about two inches longer the shaft. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and then drop to an eight degree head. I think when you go to longer length, you've got to go lower lofted head. So I played a nine degree head and I think I even had that with the, with the, um, the tip of the shaft, how you can, you can screw it and change it around so it can yeah. play higher or lower. So I, I might have had that set at 10 and a half, I think too. Um, so that's set at like, I've got an eight degree head set at like six and a half now, I think. So um, just taking the loft right off it and then that's sort of allowed me like to get my angle of attack going quite a lot more up on the up. So um, yeah, it's, it's coming out. It's coming out really nice. So the, you know, the first thing you kind of think of when you go to a longer shaft is like, is it going to change dispersion? But it's actually kept it really tight and, I felt like I've, I've played with it the last couple of rounds. I took it down to St Andrews Beach, and you know there was there's shots that I've tried to hit, whether it be a high draw around trees or you know a low fade into a into a kind of you know the third hole at St Andrews Beach, where you got to feel like you hit a low cut into that fairway, or um, just different shots like that that you would obviously you want to hit driver, but you, you're more shaping them into a hole rather than just standing there and wailing away on it. Um, I've still felt like I've been able to hit those shots, so. Um, yeah, it's a big positive, and it was almost probably frustrating. We didn't kind of think of this before Bryson did. <laughs> and in the rest of the bag, still the P7TWs? Yeah, I think they look too good to be able to get them out of the bag. Yep. Um, I don't know if anything else performs better, but they just look flush. They do. They do, they do. And still rocking the Spider X? Yeah, I switched to a um, – <laughs> I think I had one of my best two weeks putting at the PGA, and – Memphis in the middle of the year and then switch putters just to a different, it was same cut, same putter, just a different color, um, just to freshen things up. So you've got a, a white, white spider X, it must be. Um, and yeah, still playing, still playing everything the same. TP, TP5, number 23. Got a few of the last dance vibes going on there, I feel like. So, um, yeah. Now, mate, before I hand over to Jamie, because I know he wants to have a chat to you, but you, know, you mentioned a couple of things, you know, about Tommy Fleetwood and, and modelling things there. You know, you've spent a fair bit of time up close and personal with all these guys. So I know Jamie wants to talk to you about, you know, hanging out with um, all of those guys this year and, and, and what that's meant. But um, I, I have a very important question. Uh, you know, was everything all right at the house when you came back? You know, you had the house sitters in. Um, was everything all right? <laughs> yeah, so... Anyone who follows Jamie's probably worked out that he, I think he spent, he came up to do some work with me, what, maybe two weeks before I left to go overseas, Jamie, and then yeah. basically picked me up from the airport to take me home five months later. I hadn't left the house. Um, <laughs> they sort of escaped the Victorian lockdown quite well there and, and used my house, which was, it worked out really well for both of us, really. Um, obviously, they got out of that, and I sort of had someone in the house to make sure that nothing was being stolen, which it still got stolen by uh, the professional coach that I have, Dominic, as a party. Um, but no, it was it was all very good. Um, my cars were very clean when they got back when I got back, so um, didn't really matter what else he did. That was kind of the that was the thing that got me over the line. <laughs> now I just want to say, and I've said thanks before, but um, you know, to Dom. Uh, while you're away, I sent him a couple of videos. We had a little bit of a skillist session. Skillist session. He has helped me with some of uh, my short game, and he referenced uh, a lot of the work that he does with you. He's got me standing much more, you know, what I feel like is closed. But I said, what, guys stand closed? He went, yeah, yeah, Lucas has got a closed chipping stance when he needs to, and so does Rummy and da-da-da-da, and uh, it's made the world different. So, Dom, if you do listen, thank you once again. 
It didn't he was telling me you're unhelpful with your short game. You're unhelpable. <laughs> it's not. No, you don't bag me. You bag Jamie, all right. <laughs> no, you're uh, no. You, that's that. Getting funny on Jamie, don't worry. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no. You, you're pretty much nailed it in the head, and yeah, self-proclaimed. But it is getting better. So I was trying to be serious, was, but you're, I was you're, waiting for Roscoe to say that. Um, yeah, Dom gave him his uh, special Dom has a party eyes closed drill. Um, I'll try yeah, that. Is drill, isn't it? I tried yeah, all well. that. Tried all that. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dom, uh, for telling Lucas that I'm unhelpable. I appreciate that feedback <laughs> immensely. It's meant the world to me. Uh, love it. Dom love sort it. of. Talk about we talk about models, you know. Look, talking about Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood earlier, like Dom. Where we, we started doing some chipping, Dom basically got your chipping technique up and went, "All right, what, <laughs> what do you do that's the same?" And we'll try and change that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. I love it. I'm, I'm copying it. I love it. I'm good. No, he couldn't. He couldn't. Dom couldn't get his own chipping uh, chipping action up because um, the moving parts would go outside the screen. There was. Uh, there's that much movement and puzzle action, but um, I don't think I've been embarrassed on my own podcast before, but I am. But uh, no, it's good. I appreciate that. Thanks, Dom. That is yeah, that is fair, Jamie. That is like the blind leading the blind. There, uh, Dom giving Roscoe a chipping <laughs> lesson. Yes. Oh, dear. Uh, Anything that could be worse is a putting lesson. But um, <coughs> anyway, enough about enough about my poor chipping game. Everyone knows already about that, and uh, you've just backed it up. Thanks, Lucas. Um, <laughs> the more important things about this year, this year, and and some of the experience that you've had. You know, Jamie, I'm sure you've got a whole truckload of questions there that we can uh, ask. You take over, mate. Yeah. Look, I think you know this year. Obviously, as you mentioned at the, the get go, Roscoe, this year has been a very interesting one for all of us. Um, and it's been a ridiculously interesting year for professional golf. Um, Herbie's been, I suppose, one of the lucky ones that he's been on a tour like the European tour or the US tour where they're still going and they've still got tournaments. But saying that, it's still very difficult with the bubble and all those sort of things. And I was chatting to, to Herbie's mum and dad yesterday um, and we were just talking about, you know, reflecting on the year a little bit, but just how proud I was and, and we were of how he coped with this year and handled this year and um, just took it on board and copped everything on the chin with, with COVID restrictions and, you know, the, the lockdown uh, tour events. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been, a, been an interesting year, but we look at the results that he's had and, I probably shouldn't say that his results have been surprising. I think the consistency of his results in an environment that he was thrown into this year, I'm pleasantly surprised with. Um, you know, just the just the, the I don't know, how many how many events did you play for the year so far? I think we played twelve. I don't know why that number sticks out, but I think twelve. Right. And how many top tens do you think you've had? Four. I mean, you know, that's uh, thirty. Uh, you know, thirty-three percent of events finishing in the top ten in a year that you're not playing very many in a row. It's it's, it's quite uh, quite you know staggering. So, what do you contribute that to, mate? What 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 do you think this year you've really seemed to have taken that step forward? Um, you know, you, a nice, really great, solid breakthrough at the U.S. Open, then again in Ireland at a Rolex event. Just talk to us about this year from your perspective. 
Yeah, uh, it's been a funny one. Um, it's it's yeah, it's in funny in the way of like yeah, it's probably it's I think it's been my best results ever in my career this year. Yeah, uh, you, you just just you just shake your head as to how that come about with the the year and the scheduling that we've had. So, um, there's probably I think there's a lot of factors I put it down to. I think obviously the I want to say the growing pains we went through as a team last year with um, everything that kind of went on and then obviously my own struggles um, with somewhat of a mental health battle, I guess. Um, Probably finding the right strategies to cope with a lot of that kind of stuff um, was really good and and that definitely helped me um, in in the times in the bubble when you were locked down and, you know, weren't allowed to leave the hotel or, you know, you're over in America just feeling like you're killing time week on week on week um, until you can play your next event. Um, just a lot of stuff that we kind of set up at the start of the year allowed me to kind of – just allowed me to feel like I had that little bit of freedom as well to um, to kind of make some of my own decisions. And, and yeah, like I guess I took a lot of ownership back this year about what I was doing and – um, the processes I was going to put in place and, and how I was going to kind of, I guess, run my own business really. Um, didn't want it to so much be, as it's going to sound like it sounds quite bad, but it was almost like we were quite equal last year. We were like equal parts of the team, yet I was the one hitting the shots. Whereas, um, you know, now this year we've kind of changed it around to, to where like, obviously you're an expert in your field, Jamie, but it's still, I'm still having an input as to like what I think the best way forward for me mentally is and obviously I'm not just going to go against every piece of advice that you tell me but um, feeling like you're not you're not going to be let down if I go and go against your advice or go against your opinion or do something that you know might upset you um, so that I think that was really big this year and, and it allowed me to feel like you know I could make some mental health decisions at times you know um, playing three events in a row in Europe where you're in a, in a tournament bubble um, not really ideal for your own mental health because you want to go and you want to try and get out and do stuff and you know see a bit of the world or just you know just get away from the whole get away from the tour. I think I'm not really I'm not really one to go downstairs and have dinner with eight other players and talk about the shots that we just hit out there on the course that day and how hard the fifth hole played and you know how we're all going to get from this event to the next event. Like you know most of my mates don't really talk to me about golf and I don't really want it that way. I'm I'm pretty happy just kind of getting away from that whole side of things when I'm, when I'm not there playing. So, um, yeah, each event I kind of, I was getting into the bubble on Wednesday. Um, so then as a result, you kind of, you're only getting one practice round and one day to, to get yourself ready to go play. But I think the, the mental, um, benefit that had of just sort of getting that break and that separation away from golf tournaments allowed me to feel like that I was, um, you know, kind of coming back a little bit more refreshed into to each event rather than just burying my head in golf for, for a month there. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, a combination of all those things helped. And then we went through, Jamie's pretty big on this, but went through just a, grat- a gratitude process at the start of the year where, um, you know, pretty simple, just writing down some stuff. All of a sudden it kind of just changed your outlook on, on life and, now you now you're searching to try and find the things that you're grateful for each day, rather than trying to find the things that have gone wrong with each day. And 
you know, all of a sudden you turn a, you know, a global pandemic comes in and stops your, you know, your level, your income, your source of income for six months, basically. And all of a sudden you sort of sit there thinking, well, it's pretty lucky that it happened now and not five months ago because I would have been in a, a lot more trouble financially than after, you know, the start of the year I had. And, you know, how lucky is it that I'm playing on the European tour and I'm going to get to play again this year? And, you know, how lucky that I'm not, you know, it was, you know, you just found so much light in a bad situation. Um, and even got, and even being in America, you know, you felt like you're a, you were really fortunate to be there rather than, um, you know, kind of being forced to be there and not even, you know, kind of wanting to be there, I guess. So yeah, that was, uh, that was what I felt like probably made. Would you say, um, a couple of things firstly about the team stuff from last year, I think it's a really important note to make because most people fall into this same category, whether they're a 15 handicapper that wants to get better, but that process of trying too hard, you know, we as a team, the start the year before, you know, you, you were in a great position and we're all really trying to push for that top 50 in the world. And you were like, okay, you guys, you, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And Dom and I and, and Simi are there. We're just sort of, you know, you called us the mad scientists a few times trying to come up with uh, strategies to, to get you better. And, um, yeah, luckily for us, we saw that wasn't working. Uh, you saw that wasn't working um, pretty quickly because most – some players can actually stay on that, on that pathway for quite some time. So – I think, you know, making some changes there this year and, and what you spoke about before about if I'm looking after you, if you're looking after your own mental health and that means having a day off and not preparing as much for the event as what you normally would, that's increasing your value from a mental game perspective by 30% and the limited preparation is decreasing your strategic preparation by 20% you're still in the positive. It's still having a positive impact on, on you um, for that event. So I think that the way that we looked at that this year is is fantastic. And we've spoken about that with if you want to have a red wine, um, you know, and that increases your, your overall mental well-being by X percent and it has a negative impact on your physiology and your, and your, and your, your body the next day, as long as we're in a plus equation, then, Go for your life. And, and I think that's this year you had so much more freedom just to make your own decisions and also have a license to make a bad decision and, and, and have it have a negative impact because you'll learn from it and you'll make better decisions moving forward. And I think that freedom was it was just it was so good for you. Um, you know, really, really was so good for you. So um, you know, I that's think I see it. <laughs> The twenty-four-year-old. I see you sitting there. At, how old are you now, Jay? Forty-five-ish. Forty-seven. All right. So, like, I, see, I can see you sitting there as a forty-seven-year-old, wishing you could have, like, wishing you you could extract everything from your brain and put it into mine in the way of you know life lessons that you've learned through, you know, you've lived through your twenties and through thirties and, and what you learned and and experiences you went through, and mistakes that you made, and um, you know, you just everyone who's your age wants to be able to, you know, whether they're kids, whether that's their kids that they're trying to give this advice to and this, um, you know, this help to, or whether it's, you know, players that they're nurturing or even just friends, um, they, they want to, you know, they want to just 
give all this wisdom and this knowledge about, you know, mistakes that they made and, and trying to avoid, you know, the people they're helping uh, making the same mistakes. But unfortunately, I think it's almost part of like what we have to, what we have to experience as we grow and, and um, mature and, and whatnot is actually going physically make those mistakes and understand why they aren't good ideas. Um, you know, whether it be go and have too many wines on a Friday night of a golf tournament, you know, you know, that's not the right thing to do, but maybe if you've never done that before, you don't understand the impact that might have. But then once you go and make that mistake, maybe you make it once, maybe you make it three or four times. But once you go and make that mistake enough times, you figure out, okay, right, this is, this is not good for me. And I think that's a lot more powerful than just having someone tell you that that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, ultimately, um, and again, we've spoken about this a lot this year is that for you to be able to have control uh, and accountability um, and, and, and a license to make decisions, obviously with the input of your team, but ultimately it comes back to you. That's so empowering because, as you say, come Sunday afternoon, you're the one standing there with a the golf club in your hand and you're the one that has to hit it. So, um, you know, really being able to, to just continue to enhance that, that um, you know, that, that sense of control and ownership and, and uh, in, in a good way, it's been, it's been really good to see. And more importantly, I think you've had fun this year. Whatever, yeah. whatever that looks like, you've had fun. And then everything else, like the gratitude stuff, everything else will look after itself. But I think it's been an interesting one because I think because of last year, this is what I see and it'd be great to get your input, because of last year, I feel like this year you really did commit to your mental game. And what I mean by that is certain drills or exercises that we spoke about that could be good for you, you went and committed to those exercises on a daily basis, uh, you know, the variety of them, whether it was the, the gratitude journal, the meditation, whatever it might have been, you actually really committed to those and took those seriously this year and um, – you know, you, you obviously got rewarded quite nicely early on, but the same thing, the, the, the commitment to those processes didn't really stop. So how was your commitment to those processes different to years prior? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think it's one of those things, and you, and you know it yourself, in that um, it's very hard to quantify what you do and, and actually physically show in data how anything – any sort of drill or any sort of advice that you give can actually like actually helps. It's, it's really, it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, if I, if I go to Dom and go, how have you improved me over the last two years? Yeah. Dom can show a swing from two years ago and then put it next to one right now and, and hold them up and go, here's the, here's the two swings and yeah. point out all the things that are different. Whereas for you, it's, it's quite a lot more, I want to say it's almost like an opinion um, there's not a lot of necessarily factual information behind it. Um, and that sounds bad and makes you sound like you, you're a bit of a, a bit of a witch doctor. But I mean, this year was was really interesting. Obviously, we two examples for me at the start of the year really struggled in Abu Dhabi, um, making the weekend played was playing really nicely, and then all of a sudden my game just disappeared for the weekend, and it was it was not the first time that it happened. It had, it had happened quite a bit beforehand. And 
you know, we sat there on Sunday and, and I said, I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of doing this. How do we fix this? I knew it was a mental issue. I knew it was nothing physical because physically my game was right there. Um, so obviously we went through some, some processes as to how we could change things going forward the next week. And then, you know, straight away the next week, we go and win. Um, and even if we hadn't have won, I, I, I think I'd message you on Saturday saying like, hey, no matter how I play today, like I've turned up to the golf course feeling like something's different. I'm not, this is not just, I'm turning up going like, oh, how are we going to butcher this Saturday this time? You know, I turned up thinking that things were going to be different um, and I knew they were going to be different. And yeah, I played nicely, but I, I definitely, before I even hit a shot, I knew things were different that Saturday. And then obviously committing to those processes the next two or three weeks um, or sort of month before um, COVID shut everything down. You know, it's, it, it just showed, it, that showed in the results. That's the, that's that to me is the biggest statistical proof right there that what you were doing was tangibly helping me. Um, so, I, I mean, that was a great example. And then we look. I look toward. I, I look to the PGA, which was my second event back after the lockdown. And looking back, I don't think I've ever had my short game in a better state than it was that week. It was. I could have gotten anything up and down. I had such good control over the golf ball that week. Um, I think like from inside 10 feet, I think I hold more like 10% more parts than the leader on tour last year. Like it was frightening how good my short game was and I missed the cut. And, you know, we had a good chat after that event and I can tell pretty quickly that like, hang on a minute, physically there's nothing wrong with my golf game here. This is all mental. And I would say that in the five week gap that I had between that, PGA and the US Open, I didn't do a hell of a lot technically with, with my game. Um, I think the first day back practicing I had, I might have had two weeks off and then the first day back practicing I sent some swings to Dom and it was the same thing. He was just pissed off because it was literally exactly what he wanted to see um, first day back. It just, you know, it was just more hit some more shots, get some more reps, challenge yourself, you know, go through do some drills, do some competitive stuff. Um, there was no, it wasn't as if we needed to go and fix how my left arm moved on the way back or anything like that. Um, I did very little technically and the difference in the two results was such a big mental barrier that I kind of overcame or, you know, got worked out how to get through. And, you know, right there's the two examples of how I don't, I don't think there was specifically any drills that we did that was like, okay, just do this five times and do this three times. But it was like yeah. the conversations we've had and, you know, the different way we've looked at a lot of um, things all of a sudden turns a very poor result into a very, very good result with nothing more than change mental processes. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, um, you know, because of the fact that, you know, the as you say, it's very difficult to quantify some of the things that we work on, um, you know, I think one of the interesting things is having a look at how someone responds, reacts in the moments after performance, for me is more of a quantifiable measure of where they're at. If they, you know, if you're angry after a round of golf and smashing stuff up in the in the locker room, then things aren't, aren't well. But when you walk off, the third round of the Irish Open after having a lead in a Rolex Series event and go and shoot 78? It was the Scottish, Scottish Open. Open. Yeah. Scottish Open, sorry. Not, not Ireland, Scottish Open. 
um, and just go and put yourself out of the event pretty much um, and walk off that green with Robert Rock and you're having a bit of a laugh and you're, you're not in that bad mood that players get into when they're in a bad state. And if you remember last year's Scottish Open, polar opposites in how you were, um, you know, it was it was phenomenal. So for me, watching that was excellent. And then when you sent, I think you sent me a voice memo and said, um, uh, you know, shit happens, um, toughest conditions I've ever played in. I'll just go play my way back up the top of the leaderboard tomorrow. And I'm like, perfect. And then the, the coverage comes on. Here's some guy like, I don't know, six under through eight or whatever you were, you're just about leading the damn golf tournament. So the sort of bounce back in those you know, negative situations, those challenges, those failures, so to speak, in that third round, the way you bounce back from that, um, for me, was one of the most satisfying things all year, over and above your winning Dubai. Um, it, was, yeah. it was a special day. And it's really tough on you because it wasn't like we did any work that week or the week prior or the week, you know, two weeks prior that specifically yeah. set up that result. That was months of just chipping away small bits of work that we did that, yeah. you know, it gets me in a state that I, yeah, walked off Saturday and went, well, that's not my best round of golf I've ever played. And, you know, I'm not that thrilled about that 79, but it wasn't exactly easy out there. And it's not like, you know, I tried every shot. Um, I don't know what I was supposed to do. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I mean, I hear your frustrations at times when you talk to me about, you know, other players and, and um, especially when people feel like they get their mental game fixed with one lesson with you and they don't have to see you again. You know, you, you, they've had their one session and that fixes you forever. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's so far from the thinking that I have in the way of obviously, ideally, I don't have to use you too much because I'm, I'm in, a good, in a good place. But um, the reality is, Hockey golf swing, you just go. It just goes in ebbs and flows, and and unfortunately, you've got to try and ride out the, uh, the bad times and, and figure out a way to get back on track. And and obviously, that's why we have some very good conversations, usually over a couple of glasses of wine. But um, you know, that's where our good conversations come from, and and how we fix, sort of figure out a way to get back to you know a state of mind where we can play good golf. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, Roscoe, because um, if we look back at the last couple of years and my my messaging to Herbie around alcohol and the impact that it has on brain functioning and, and cognitive performance and all that sort of stuff and you know drinking any alcohol during tournament week is just not not you know not what what needs to happen and um, you know fast forward you know now 12 months um, and I'm really loving the fact that our relationship has evolved to the point where all year we've done our best work over a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine. Um, uh, it's he, just he, he will text me after events and go, "Are you smashed yet? I need to call you." <laughs> like I just know if he's drinking wine, I need to speak to him because I just get everything that's beneath the surface. Yeah, well, and it's it's, 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 it's a, fantastic. You know, uh, that's what alcohol is. It relaxes you, and you know, it's has that effect. And you know, if if the truth comes out and open and honest conversation comes on the back of that, well. That's where the learning and that's where the change and that's where, you know, as long as it's not, you know, we can remember it the next morning, but that's where the change and development happens. And if, if that's been the process well, and it works, well, 
Thanks for tuning in to part one of our interview with Lucas Herbert. We look forward to catching up with you in the next episode next week with Lucas, Jamie and myself. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, jump over to Inside Golf Academy, the link in the show notes, and check out all the great work that you can get from Jamie and his academy over there at Inside Golf. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.